Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's guest is Samantha Bullock from Brazil. Samantha now lives in London, has been a wheelchair user following a gunshot wound when she was 14 for 26 years and has an incredible story. A professional tennis player, now a fashion model, Samantha is on a mission to change perceptions of what's possible. Her attitude and positivity is infectious, without a doubt, an adaptifier through and through. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for inviting me. Pleasure to be so, here. So whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm in Brazil, in the south of Brazil, getting some rest with my family for two more weeks. <laughs> yeah. That sounds lovely. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm in New Zealand and it's a, it's a beautiful summery morning and many others listening around the world may be in, uh, in the snow. It's great how we're all connected globally like this. Hey, so first of all, to give our listeners some perspective, can you uh, just briefly describe how you ended up sharing your life with a wheelchair? I don't want to dwell on it too much. I just just want to give people a, a some perspective as to um, to your um, your ability, so to speak, and how that happened. Yeah, I became a wheelchair user twenty six years ago, so it's a long time ago. And uh, and at that time, we didn't have much much going on. I mean, we had a lot going on, but uh, in disability world, we we didn't have much things that we could check in social media and information uh, about the things, uh, the normal things we have in the daily life, things we should do or, yeah, I don't know, we just didn't have much information around at that point. Or we had the information, but it wasn't as it is today. So I decided after a while to, to start to share my journey and I have been doing for a long time now. I think at so least. So, what was your life yeah. like before you you um, you became injured? What and how did you become injured? Yeah, uh, my my life was kind of a very normal life. I was a kid, and uh, I would I would play tennis at that time. I was a model at that time. I, I used to play handball. I was the leader of my my class. Uh, I was just very active, going to the beach. I'm from the beach here in the south of Brazil. And, um, yeah, just had a very normal life. My mom, my dad, my brother. And um, we used to travel a lot. And um, when I was 14 years old, I was playing with my dad's gun. And uh, I shot myself. Uh, by mistake and this left me in a wheelchair uh, the the bullets got the, the spine and burned the spinal cord and I'm incomplete so I can move a little bit of my left leg uh, but my right leg just can't feel nothing at all and, um, and I have chronic pain 
as well. So that for me was tougher really than to be in a wheelchair because the wheelchair is a physical thing. You have the problem, mm-hmm. but the pain, it's, it's tough. It's, it's more difficult. Really. And you still have this pain, pain now? Yeah, yeah. The pain is there. Uh, and it's, like we say, is a ghost pain that doesn't have nothing to do with ghosts because it's there, it's real. And it's 24-7. It's all day long, seven days a week. I already wrote a few articles on how I deal with the pain and um, on my website and um how the pain doesn't uh, stop me to do the things even that sometimes does a little bit but you need to be resilient and go over and just take day by day and so you don't just give up because the pain is is a hard one hey so i've heard a lot of people with spinal cord injuries talk about pain and you know i've heard a number of different ways that people manage that what is something that has really worked for you? How do you manage your pain? I'm going to tell you my first, my first, I think the top of my advice would be you need to take the fox out of the pain. Uh, so if I'm in pain, I'm trying to talk with someone, to read a book, I go to the gym, you know, I just, I, I don't keep like, oh, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, and I put the focus there. No, I just switch my mind out of that. So I'm, I'm going to watch a film. Um, like I said, I'm going to read a book or I'm going to make some exercise, something just not be really focused, focusing on the pain. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. Distraction. Uh, yeah. I, I also change all my, the way I eat. Mm. So I don't eat uh, meat. I don't uh, red meat. I don't eat uh, fries. I don't eat um, sugary stuff like Coke or dairy. So it's it's a it's a very clean. It's not that I don't never eat fries. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of would be something that is is not on my at my house. I don't make fry stuff at my house. I don't make um, sugary things. I don't have drinks with sugar. I drink a lot of water, exercise, vegetables, salads. Uh, yeah, so I do eat a little, little bit of fish now. I stopped for five years, but I introduced again on my diet. And um, so I just eat some, I don't know, sometimes a piece of fish with a lot of vegetables. Oh, the way I cook is very clean. And most that I can, I eat raw. So I eat fruit, salad. Uh, this is one o- another thing that helped me a lot, I think, and gave me a boost of energy because when you are in pain, I think the body is a lot of the energy to fight the pain. Uh, so we get tired uh, very often. And to have a clean diet helped help me a lot. So you noticed a visible change yeah. uh, in the way you felt with your diet? Yeah. And I also, I took out of, because of my diet, of my clean diet, I took out of the medicines that I was having for 25 years, that I was having very strong medicine. And uh, I started to remove them and uh, I'm a 
uh, I don't have any medicine right now. Just wow. I still feel the pain, but I would. The, I was. <coughs> I was in, with a lot of medicine. I would. I would feel pain anyway. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, is is the 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 medicine doesn't remove the pain, just help the little bit, but also have all the side effects for the the medicine as well. So there is just change one problem for another one. Didn't help much really. How did you learn so after, about your diet? How did you how did you know what what to eat? I just start to to try. Mm. Try. I I watch a documentary that is um Food Matters. I don't know if you heard about yes, that. I've, it's, I've it's, seen it. Yeah. Yeah, Food Matters was in two thousand and ten I watched this film and um and I started to make change it more clean things that we norm that our body normally would in we would have you know mm. something that like water instead of coke mm. we, you know why you are drink we, we need water we need hydration we don't need to put more sodium or i also listen to my to my guts to my feelings because in somehow we know what should be eaten it's, it makes sense. You know mm. what I mean? Like we don't need to put extra sugar in something that if you're eating an, enough fruit, you don't, you're not going to feel the need to eat extra sugar or salt, you know? So it's kind of, um, it's just it made make sense to make this change. And I was starting to feel much more energized and, uh, yeah. And, and the pain was, um, I was feeling less pain. But I was trying. I was trying. I would say, you know, you could get a nutritionist, go to someone that understands about the diet and go there and say, look, uh, I want to eat more clean, more healthy, uh, you know, just to make the change, small change. The small things that we do, it's... I'll, it's, I'll put a link it, into that documentary uh, because I, I agree that was really a really good documentary, really concise and clear with the experts talking about diet and nutrition. And uh, so for those of you listening there that are interested, I'll, I'll make sure that link's available. Hey, so just going back to you as a 14-year-old, yeah. you know, that is a time when you're a teenager, you're, you're very conscious of your image typically, and, you know, you've got your peers that are out there, you know, your friends, and all of a sudden you found yourself – in in hospital in a real mess presumably um, and then having to use a wheelchair to get around did you ever find yourself in a place where you were you know really depressed or you were more focused on what you couldn't do and if you were in that spot how did you how did you first get out of that that space do you know I had uh, a quite I think different experience for most of the people because I I really kind of because I made the mistake I couldn't um, I need to make sure that everyone was fine mm. uh, my family you know it's like oh I'm fine don't worry nothing happened and I tried to make everyone feel that's okay nothing happened so I was just holding myself in the best way I could hold myself uh, to make everyone around me feel calm and happy. And um, 
even so, I I knew that I almost died, and I was so happy that I was alive because when I remember when I closed my eyes and the doctor's table, and I can even if I close my eyes now I can see the lighting and and I can see the woman give me the, um, the anesthesia for me to sleep, and I was like, oh, you can you can do, but I'm not going to sleep. I was determined that I, I was, I also, I also was scared that I would sleep and I wouldn't wake anymore. So once I woke up, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't upset. I was so happy that I was alive, that I could have, you know, one more day and, uh, that I, I wasn't upset at all. And, um, sure we had some days, mainly I think because of the pain, not really because of my condition, but sure that I had these days uh, that were quite tough because I was screaming and shouting and crying because of the pain. Mm. Uh, but a part of that, because I think also I was like 14, and I don't think for the, even that I understood that it would be something that was permanent, I don't think, I always thought that I would get better and somehow at that early ages. Um, not that I had the hope to get better, but it was like, oh, in some days going to happen. I'm, I'm fine now and living day by day. And, um, yeah, so there was the tough days, but I also had fun for the start when my friends wanted to try the wheelchair and they wanted to play with the wheelchair and push <laughs> me around. So I had something that's very, um, the things that kids do, you know, when you are working and, uh, but yeah, was my life. So I think I tried to, to do my best to be happy and to enjoy what the second opportunity I had. And so you went and to I school again. I, I presume you went to school and yeah. And were there anybody else in a wheelchair at school? No, no, I was the only one. And the thing is, we, we, and I say we, me, my family, and my friends, we need to rediscover the things I could do in a different way. So, for example, I would go to PE and we would play volleyball. And sure that we couldn't play volleyball because, you know, it wasn't a seating volleyball or, or adapt volleyball, was stunt volleyball. And, um, so what I would do, I would be in the net and my friends would get the boats, pa- pass the ball to me, I would pass the ball to them. So we, we would play. I was never left alone. So it's not, I, I would say I don't want to play because the game, you know, my team is going to be weaker. So it's not a proper uh, competitive game. And they always made me feel welcome and say, no, Sam, you need to be here with us. And this kind of um, reaction, the, uh, this kind of attitude made me feel that I was part of the group and also with my family, sure, yeah. So made a very strong impact when you feel that you are welcome and I would serve and push to the net and that I would stay. And so, yeah, it's, uh, we, we rediscover things the way we could do and I remember that I would be, because I used to play handball before I was a goalkeeper. Mm. So I would play in the goalkeeper with them and I would have a racket 
uh, tennis in my hands to try to defend, but didn't work out that one because the, the racket wasn't enough, the strong enough to defend. But we tried to to make the things we could the way we could. But and we were always together. So this was very important for me. Or party-wise, we would go party when I was 10. And if I could go in the toilet, because the toilet wasn't, wasn't accessible, so I would have two, three friends of mine that they would help me and to go to the toilet. One would grab my leg, another one would grab another leg. And we, we would make work. So at, at the same time, that was crazy, was fun. And we did together. Uh, so sounds like a, you've got a wonderful supportive group of family. You and know friends. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it was was bad. It's not I'm not saying that it was great, but because I had this amazing support, uh was fun. I never felt and uh, I was never alone. And yeah. So was 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 fun to to because the first years mainly of a accent, you you need to rediscover everything, yeah, the things you can do. And um, you can you can look as a challenge in the bad way, but you also can look in the good way. And I think I always had this uh, positive vibe. Yeah. And this is what mainly I wanted to pass through my socials nowadays, you know. It's, we always have the choice. We always do. You can look for, for through the bad side, but you also have the positive. Even through the bad ones, we have the positive to learn. So it's always look through the positive way. And this is the way I'm living my life. It's fantastic. So you've, mm-hmm. you've played, you carried on to play some sport and you, you got into some wheelchair tennis. Can you tell us about the, that journey? How, how far did you go with that and, and what was your experience? Yeah, for, uh, I started to play wheelchair tennis when I, I was 26 years old. So it's not that I became paraplegic and I discovered wheelchair tennis. I And I'm going to tell you, I tried to play wheelchair tennis after my accident and couldn't work out because I tried to play on my day chair. Mm. And my day chair at that time was a very big half chair. Mm. And, uh, and I couldn't manage to play. I was, I tried to play with my coach and, uh, we tried to play in clay. And so I couldn't manage to arrive in the ball and we didn't know that we had two bounces of ball to hit the ball. So it was frustrating. We tried three times, I think. And then at some point I was like, oh, I give up. I don't think this sport exists. I don't, you know, I didn't know that exists. So. When I discovered wheelchair tennis for how the sport is now, um, that's a very light chair with the wheels are in, inclined so we can push and we're more stable in the chair that we have two bounces of the, the ball can um, bounce twice. Uh, I was 26 old, so it was 12 years after. Um, and because I used to play tennis before my accident, so I, I knew how to play some little bit. So for me, it wasn't too difficult at that time because we had also very few girls around to become the number one in Brazil. And we got, me and my partner, Rejane Candida, we got a silver medal at the Parapanam in Rio de Janeiro in 2007 in Rio. And this was the, the high the highest 
point of my career to get the silver medal uh, was a very important moment to and my first victory was well was one in Argentina against the number one from Argentina, Andrea, at that time. And just before my match, I said, I don't know if you know about Brazilians and Argentinas, Argentinos, uh, how they we fight in football. <laughs> yeah, there's a rivalry, strong I, rivalry. Yeah, so I gave an interview just before the match, and I said, it's going to be, this match is going to be uh, Pelé playing against Maradona. <laughs> and then when I started playing, I realized that I could lose the match, but I wasn't allowed Pelé. So... I was just like, oh, I need to win, I need to win, I need to win. I had that in mind. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so was my <laughs> my first victory. Um, I, I, I think I won more because of Pelé, really, than for myself. <laughs> How strong I had in mind that I need to win. Hey, so Samantha, uh, a, a lot of people out there listening will be saying that you know, a wheelchair, tennis wheelchair is really expensive and that's a barrier to, to entry. How did you how did you manage to um, buy a chair or afford a chair or use a chair? What, uh, you know, wheelchair, tennis wheelchair, what would, what would your advice be there? How, how can people, how can people do find themselves with a wheelchair? Look, my thing is you're not going to buy a wheelchair mm. if you don't know if you like this sport, you know. To, to buy a wheelchair, to try, it's, it's, it's not the right thing to do. You need to try. See if you like. If you like, you start to play. To see if you like enough to buy a wheelchair, you know. And then if you really like and you want to keep playing, there you buy a wheelchair. And you don't need to buy an expensive one unless you want to be a top player. Uh, unless you want to do that professionally, you know. But you can buy a, a nice one. So it's, uh, yeah, you, you need, I think I would, I, my advice would be try first. Nowadays, have so many clubs that they offer the opportunity to go there and try. And they have so, a lot of chairs that's the standard chairs that would be like small, medium, and large. You can just sit in one and see how you're going to. And then if you really like the sport, then you buy the chair. That's good advice. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Would be my. How advice. much would you? How yeah. much do they they cost typically? Do you it's know? Not the, do you know? I don't know because it depends. You can get a chair, a basic one. You know, the, if you get a spinner wheel, it's going to cost a lot more. But if you get a standard wheel, it's going to be much cheaper. So it's it, and depends. Something is uh, if you buy a chair here in Brazil, another one is going to be in, to buy in England. Another one is going to be buying. Uh, you know, in New Zealand, or it's it's it's, it's different price wise. Uh, it depends of the brands as well. You know, you can I don't know, it's say in pounds how much. The the thing I know is they have a project, Motability Foundation. They have a project that they did with my husband when my husband used to work for mm -hmm. ITF, International Tennis Federation. It's uh, Mark Bullock. And so they did this project where they designed a very, very low cost chair that was made in China. I think it was in China, not, not, not 100% sure now that I said. Um, but, uh, they would make the chair, uh, and it would cost, I think, 200, 300 dollars, the chair. Uh, 
but the chair would because they would make a lot to make mm. cheaper they would make a lot of the chairs and so it would be kind of like i said small medium and large so you want to make something for your body specific would cost more uh, but they would make the standard chairs to sell in uh, development countries. Um, yeah. So we we took few of the chairs. We started a project in Haiti, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, four years ago. And, uh, and they had the motivation chairs there for the rehabilitation hospital. Uh, so you can find low cost chairs like this one, for example, that's going to cost, cost $300 or something even that's going to cost 2000 pounds or a thousand pounds. And also if you want just to try, you also can try to buy maybe a used one that's not made in your body, but that's something that would work. We have, uh, we have um, every Tuesday night at NTC, the National Tennis Center in, in London. Uh, we have a project that they deliver um, tennis class there, and they have many wheelchairs where a lot of people that they play wheelchair, they are not wheelchair users. Mm. They are amputees sometimes or a different kind of disability. And so this chair... These chairs are ava- available there, and they can just join, seat, That's and play. That's fantastic. But l- like you said, you need to search for brands. Maybe Invacare is one that is the cheapest one to buy because they have a var- variety of brands there. So it's easier to, to search for I like something. the fact that you can find an organization to try a sport out and then and then you know again you find a way to to make it work if you if you love it you can you know you can fundraise you can save your money um, if you want it bad enough you'll make it happen right exactly and the thing is for us this is expensive because every single sport that we need we need a different chair so if you want to go cycling you don't need to to need to have a hand bike if you want to go to play basketball, and some people, they can play tennis with the same basketball, but if you want a rugby yeah. chair or if you want a ski, skin chair, you know, you, you need different chairs. It's, it's kind to have different shoes to do different things. So it's uh, for us, if you do more than one sport, sometimes I do, I have a hand bike. I have my tennis chair. Uh, if I want to go to ski, I need to have a ski chair. You know, it's, it, and it's quite expensive, these they toys. Are. <laughs> that's not so a toy. Did you, you know? did you have some sort of insurance uh, so, when you were injured, or like how do you how do you now make a living, or how did you um, transition from school out into the to the workforce? And tell us a bit about what you're what you're doing now. You're you're on the runway as a fashion model, I see, and that's that's just incredible. Tell tell me about about how yeah. you how you fund your life yeah. and. And, and a bit about your your first few moments with being on the runway. Yeah, my first fashion show, I was eight years old, like I said to you. So I was a professional model uh, at, the age of my, at the age of my accident. Uh, and I, sure, I wasn't working when I had my accident. I was only 14. Um, so I studied, I studied law to become a lawyer. And when I was finishing my degree and um, I was studying, uh, I had the opportunity to start to play wheelchair tennis. And I couldn't be working 
and studying at the same time because I was working at that time. I used to work mm-hmm. in the politics here in Brazil. So I just started to play wheelchair tennis. And uh, so I had the sponsors, like you said, uh, I had the sponsors for my, for my tennis, uh, for my uh, tennis chair. Uh, uh, I would get sponsors to pay for my trips, to pay. Yeah. So I would find sponsors to, to help me play. And when I became the number one, I, I could get more sponsors and travel a little bit more. How did and, you get the sponsors? Um, what, what was your process for that? Oh, I need to write to the companies, show my website and, um, yeah, go there, talk to them and, and you write and write for a lot of companies, not for one company, you know, you just write to the ones that you think can help you. And, uh, and sometimes I would go to schools and I would give talks, they would pay for the talks. And, um, so it has been Mm. always like that really. Uh, and then I started to work last, last year as an influencer. Not, not last year, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a process because I have been putting my life in the public eyes for now, um, I don't mm. know, 13 years. And, uh, so I have been kind of, uh, trying to make people in wheelchair, look, you are capable go there and try to work this side of the wheelchair community say like we are uh we can we can so go there and fight and uh so i would start to do my instagram last um year professionally really with professional pictures and and um yeah so i do work as an influencer is where comes my income and also for the fashion shows, and now I'm open my business and stuff. But uh, and I give talks. I work also for the um, IPC, mm. International Paralympic Committee. So we travel around the world, giving talks. So inside of the IPC has a Agitus Agitus Foundation, and Agitus Foundation has a program that's called mm. Proud Paralympian. So we travel around the world. Uh, uh, Given the talk about the Paralympic values, social media, dual career, um, well-being. So I work with them as well. Were you so, nervous yeah. the first? Were you so nervous the first of, time you you wheeled out onto a onto a, a runway? Tell us a bit about that experience. This I no, I wasn't worried. I I was excited. I was happy, and um, this was in. 2007, no, it was 2000 and I don't know, 2005, I think. And I, I went to the brand and I said to them, like, can, can, can I do the catalog for you? And they said, oh, Sam, even that we like you to, we have two, they had two steps at the, at the show at that time. And I was like, look, we can make work. The models can grab me, can grab mm-hmm. the wheelchair, we can, you know. And the guy said, yeah, okay, so let's do that. So I went there, I spoke with the brand, I offered myself. It wasn't something that someone found me in the street said, oh, come here and be my model, you know. No, when you really want something, you need to make these things work. And we are in that part of the game that you really need to make these things work because... 
but otherwise you don't get you don't get enough of visibility and um and the the words there you know we need to just make open our doors and when they don't open for i don't know from, you make you make our destiny you know just open the door yourself make a hole in the wall and go through and so was the the way I started, I, and I wasn't, um, you know, nervous or something. I was just so excited. I was so happy that I was there, and it was a jeans company at that time. They didn't have nothing to do about inclusion. Their clothes were very standard clothes. Um, I don't know even the company exists anymore, but um, was the way it happened. And sure, when I did London Fashion Week last year in February, there was a different game. But there, when I did London Fashion Week, I have been done so, so you know, I did catwalks in Brasilia three, four times where I'm an ambassador of a project that's called um, mm-hmm. Fashion Inclus- Inclusive, because in Portuguese. So I did workshops to the, um, to the models there and uh, the, we did catwalks together. And I did catwalks in Spain. I did catwalks in Portugal. I did catwalks for Invacare in Turkey in 2010. So when came London Fashion Week, sure that I was kind of very excited and there I was nervous, I think. But I was so happy that I was there and I was, uh, I'm 40 now, 40 years old, and I was 39 uh, to be able to do London Fashion Week and wheelchair and with t- when you are 39 years old, because if you see the fashion when you are 30, 30 years old, probably normally the standard fashion model, you are out, you are already old. So, you know, and uh, so it's just... And what has uh, yeah, been the response from <laughs> the people in the audience and, and the brands? What 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 have they thought of of you modeling for them and in front of them? Yeah, I did the, um, the, the catwalk for Louise Linderuth. So she's a, also a, in a wheelchair. She's a mm. Swedish designer. Uh, she's amazing. You must check her work. And she starts to design clues for wheelchair users because she found quite hard to find jeans for herself. So she started to design her own pieces and there she became a designer in study. And uh, so, you know, for the brand, wasn't any, wasn't nothing different. Was Louise and she knows the, our needs. So didn't change much, but I think the audience, I don't know, I think was a shock to them, but they are, but you see that the word is changing and inclusion it's, is coming. It's something that you almost is a change of perceptions in minds that you kind of almost can touch how these it's um how strong and, is coming and and you're helping you're so, helping bring about yeah. that change and and i love i love what you said before about you've just people aren't going to come up to you in the street you have to go and knock down the door and you know bash a hole in the wall and you are doing that and you are helping change, you know, the perception. And there, there are many others that have, that are doing this too. It's fantastic. And that these are what I call adaptifiers. They're, they're people that have had to adapt, but they're defying and they're finding new, new ways to, 
to be free and they're they're pushing what they thought and what others thought was possible and you know look I, I really commend you I commend you for that it's 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 wonderful you know if you could describe a breakthrough you had something that you know would help others what would you what would your advice be I don't know I think be confident be confident you know believe in yourself it's is because sometimes we get so scared to put ourselves there and yesterday i put my picture on my instagram and i, I was talking about that you know i'm 40 years old my legs are thin you know what i mean it's it's not that to have the ideal fashion but we need to understand that we are who you are And we need to accept and love ourselves. So my leg is thin or something doesn't work. Who bothers, you know? It's, just, it's you. It's your ideas. It's your feelings. It's So we need to understand that you are much more than you think you are. Everything, the things we do. And so when you are confident to be there and put the, the word and come to someone and say, look, get me. I'm good enough. I believe in my work. Sure, you need to have the work. You need to put your work there. But it's all about it's all about hard work and the quality work. You need to believe in your work. You need to do a well, a quality work. Someone can respect you. But I mean, if you are confident enough and you have the guts to do the things, we can. We we really can. You know. And so, what um, does the future yeah. hold for you, Sam? Or, Oh my God. <laughs> I can't tell much. What have you got happening in the next in the next couple of years? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And ha ha happy for for me, for for me to to be doing what I like and making income for the things I like to do that sometimes we don't even realize that we are working much more than we normally would work because you are doing something that you like and when you like you don't bother to work anymore, yeah. you know, because you were doing what you love. <laughs> but, yeah, but I don't bother, really. I'm doing what I like, so it, I'm happy to do. And um, and it's like I said, you know, I know that the future is going to be bright and it's going to be nice because if you don't have the light on the, <laughs> the end of the tunnel, I'm going to bring my <laughs> my torch with me. So the light's going to be there somehow, <laughs> Because I have the torch with me and I don't care, you know, the, the future is going to be bright. <laughs> and uh, and work hard for that and happy. So it's, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not about the end, yeah, it's about the journey. It's to do what you like yeah. day by day. And who knows, who knows what the future is bringing. Kind of, I know, I know a little bit, but... I can't share much right now, really, but soon I hope to have very, very good news and and I I hope to also help our community and I wish we could be more, how can I say, we had a, I wish we could have a stronger voice, but if we shout together, the little voices, the little ones You know, we the thing is we need mm. to put them together to make something louder. And this is what I admire about your work, you know, is what you are doing. You are giving voice to our community. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. Well, you know, when I was lying in a hospital bed, and this was only six mm. years ago, 
it was it was people like you, Samantha, that gave me hope and showed me that my life could be be enjoyable and and I could be free. So this is just our way of giving back and and uh, it's been wonderful to talk with you. I thank you so much for your time. Where can where can our listeners find out more about you and and what you're doing? Yeah, I, I mainly do my Instagram, uh, and my Instagram is it's Sama Bullock. The handle is Sama S A M A B U L L O C K Sama. Uh, and uh, a lot of people they call me Sama, and, and and it's not. It's like I, I we spoke to earlier today. It's Sam A because my middle name is Almeida, so it's A Bullock. So it's some a bullock, uh, but yeah, my Facebook that's Samantha Bullock official, uh, Samantha without the H, Samantha Brazilian, um, and um, yeah, I have a YouTube channel uh, that I started year ago um, and talk about how we put the chair in the car. Uh, few of my blogs, fashion a little bit, um, clothes. Uh, trips and yeah, uh, things about the Zebo life and um, yeah, and mainly my and my website www.samantabullock.com. So my website and Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. I'm on Twitter as well as Summer Bullock. And um, LinkedIn, I'm there too. I think nowadays it's quite is a full time work <laughs> to just keep up with all your yeah, sure is. Well, I'll, I'll make sure <laughs> but, I link to all yeah. of those in uh, in the show notes. Hey, Samantha, thank you so so much. It's been really wonderful to to chat with you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time with your family in Brazil, and I really look forward to. Uh, to getting to meet you in person at some point, but also to see what the future holds for you. Thanks so much for all you do. Um, yeah, wonderful to chat. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you have a good day. <laughs> it's very early morning there. Have a good day in New Zealand. And um, yeah, I'm going to try to make the, the most of the time with family time here. It's quite important as well to have this time for ourselves and family and Absolutely. build boundaries. Um. Yeah, but thanks so much for your work. Talk soon. And yeah, keep up the good bye work. Now. Talk soon. <laughs> bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's a-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y dot com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind the scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.